Welcome to episode number 104 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet! It's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. I told you I'd be back. Back to stake my claim, as it were. I knew how it was going to go. The waves of missing it, of not missing it, missing it again, wanting to jump right back in, but taking my time. Waiting till it felt right, and it feels right, Bubba. Thank you for coming back. Better yet is back. I set the seeds. We ended episode 103 with Ostracized, the last song on Lifetime's Hello Bastards. And we came back with the first song, off Jersey's Best Dancers. Turnpike Gates, that much I had planned in advance. But other than that, I knew I would know when to get back onto this thing. And this right here is a time that feels more than right. Anika Pyle of Katie Ellen, formerly of Chumped, is on the show this week. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the time off. I bounced around a bit in figuring how much should be shared here, but I feel it's important to talk about it. I was sick. I was depressed, and when I say depressed, I mean it in clinical terms. I was experiencing sadness, physical pain, emotional fragility in a form that it took me a little bit of time to see it as more than just feeling blue, which is uh, part of the power of the things why depression is so scary is that you're not really able to see it for what it is right away but as time passed and as I kept trying to wait it out I was experiencing a hopelessness that was familiar and a feeling like like it would always be this way my life would always be this way and that can put you in a situation where you're you're looking at solutions that you may know you know better and you have thousands of reasons for not doing harm to yourself but when your brain is telling you that it's always going to be a way it takes its toll and it was taking its toll now I'm on an antidepressant I have been for the past year it saved my life when I started it and so I was kind of taken aback, wondering why the fuck, what was wrong with me? Like, why did it just stop working? Trying, was trying out different methods, uh, you know, just trial and error, updosing, changing the manufacturer of my pill. And you know what it was? I was taking a vitamin, a fucking vitamin. I was taking a B vitamin supplement. I started taking it after I got back from Europe. And that's when I started feeling shitty. And I was joking to my partner. I said, maybe my vitamins are making me depressed. Turns out you Google it and the shit happens all the time. So that was that. Things settled back into place. My levels regulated pretty quickly. And I feel good. And I feel good again. And I don't know what kind of lesson comes out of something like that, an experience like that. But You know, be conscious of your body and what you're doing to it and how you may be affecting yourself, but also this break, this 
came out of a desperate place, but it was really necessary. I love doing this show, and I think that I've always found external motivators to keep it going at the pace that we've been going at since the beginning, but there was a little bit of now what that followed the 100th episode. I was left without a milestone to shoot for, and then I just needed to reevaluate why I'm here and why I'm doing it. I don't think that these are questions that can be answered from within. I wanted to take time to look at what makes this a positive for me. And what I missed was talking to people, meeting new friends, being able to take part in the process again. When I'm immersed in that part of things, I'm happy, I'm enthusiastic. The part outside, thinking about what this show is outside of me, I think I was caught up in in an unproductive way. I wanted to get back to doing this on my own terms and doing what feels right to me. It's an attribute that all of my favorite artists have. All the people I admire within this culture have it, and I wanted to harness it again. So I'm looking forward to continuing to do this thing and to work with good people. This interview that we have on deck for this week, it's a good one to come back on. And also, I think this is a good segue into our very first non-omelet-related sponsor, Lauren Records, one of my favorite labels in the world, is sponsoring the show this week. This is a record label based out of California. I met Aaron very early on in doing the show. He's the drummer of Winter Break. I met him when Mark Chen was on the show. He's been very supportive of Better Yet ever since. He's put out records from several past guests on this show, Walter, etc., Diners, Horror Girls, Shinobu, and Katie Ellen. Go to lauren-records.com. Use the promo code better yet, all one word, all lowercase, for 10% off their web store. You've got all the Lauren releases, including the Katie Ellen records and some good distro picks. Super chunk, bomb the music industry. Let me personally recommend the Weird Life EP by 4Serious, this time forgotten Long Island emo band. Lauren-records.com, promo code Better yet. All right. Anika Pyle is on the show this week. Anika is the singer and songwriting force of Katie Ellen, a band she started in 2015 as her old band Chumped was ending. Chumped burned bright and burned quickly. Their lone LP 2014's Teenage Retirement was huge within the punk scene and really beyond. They were a big year-end list band that year, but they were part of a larger swell of bands coming out of Philly and New York bands like Nona, Cayetana, All Dogs, really quite a thing to witness. These new bands, what came out of them, Chumped ended, and Katie Ellen came soon thereafter, starting as a two-piece with Anika and Chump's drummer, Dan Freely, but eventually becoming a four-piece. I remember when the Wild Heart demo came out, those songs, I love Chump, don't get me wrong, but those three tracks destroyed. An EP would follow cowgirl blues and lp in june of 2017 and then they lame dormant a bit didn't tour that record too heavily but dropped another ep this summer called still life it is in my opinion anika's best work as a fully formed effort from a band that has established its legs we talk about the band's growth and anika's own as she shaped this project into what she wants it to be this is an interview i am excited to share so let's get to it. But we'll start the song. 
This is Lighthouse, followed by my interview with Anika Pyle. Recently, when I was thinking about like talking about you, we're able to fill having you here. We're able to fill in a little bit of like continuity for this show. Yeah, because Mikey was here, Mikey Erg was here, and like a year and a half ago, right around the time tentative decisions came out. Oh, nice! And I had no idea what was going on with him mm-hmm. as far as songwriting goes. Before that record and yeah. talking to him about making that split with you and what a difference that made for him. Yeah. That yeah. had been a, like, that was, that was a fun time for you, right? It was such a fun time. Yeah. It was really special. We like, I think needed that push for each other. Cause it was like, I mean, for, for him, you know, he's, he hasn't written a song since upstairs, downstairs insane yeah he's such he's so good i think he just spent so much time dedicating himself as kind of a a member of other people's projects that he kind of neglected his own songwriting and so that was a good way to kind of hold each other accountable and it was a big deal for me because i was such a such a huge fan of his music and it was really nice to be able to like create a safe space with someone that i really looked up to and valued their opinion and I think we're you know he and I are both kind of like a little bit anxious and um yeah not like you know I wouldn't say we're we lack confidence but maybe sometimes we do and sometimes you just need a little push you need somebody that's like that's gonna be there to maybe stop you from just like dismissing what you're doing because you think it's not good totally yeah and sometimes you just need to like because that was the arrangement right it was just like send we're sending each other whatever yeah and it was really just like a commitment to writing and i think it was like oh i need to turn this song in to mikey like i i he's counting on me you know and i think like that sort of exchange where it was like i'm doing this for somebody else was like big you know it's a good um, way of like tricking yourself it's sort of like a writing exercise in yeah. a way where it's like you have to sort of like working with a deadline right yeah and especially if you're the type of person who like is more likely to give to others than to give to your own sort of process it's nice to be able to like yeah. well i'm not doing this for me i'm doing it for mikey uh-huh. you know? but then yeah, you yeah. get you get so much out of it and you discover so much 
about yourself out of it and then you we each got a whole record and then some out of it so is that and does that come at a phase for you because that thing comes out in 2016 and we get the katie ellen lp the next year Mm -hmm. but i know that that stuff like kind of takes time are you were those songs like in a time where you were in a like particular rut as far as your songwriting goes i don't think so i actually think that i had at that time i was like um very had a lot to to work through and i Mm -hmm. think it was nice i think i was in a period of time where i was trying to push myself as a songwriter to write differently and so that was a good opportunity to kind of like you know to use that i wouldn't say i was in a songwriting rut i wouldn't say i couldn't write songs i think i had like too many songs and i needed sort of a yeah or like sure. i had a lot of songs inside and i needed a way to get them out uh-huh and i know that mikey i knew that mikey had songs that he had sat on or thrown away or or wasn't you know i think needed a little bit of encouragement and so it i think it was a perfect pairing because we both gave each other space to do what we needed to do yeah and it's like it's it's safe to 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 try and do something new because i mean coming out of that like you know katie ellen it's not like it's not like a 180 from chump but it's Mm -hmm. it's different Mm -hmm. it's got a different you know dynamic to all of it yeah and i think i wanted it to be different and it didn't turn out as different as i wanted it to but that's your product of your you know i mean but i feel like some people are able to do it where it's just like doing something different this time but you know i think and we'll get to this kind of like where you're going right now Mm -hmm. it's you're taking huge steps Mm -hmm. away from it yeah i i think so but anyway (laughs) where did you grow up i grew up in monument colorado okay where's that it's about 50 miles directly south of denver colorado okay Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's, I know the Colorado landscape, I've never been, I've never seen it, but I, I've heard it described fittingly, I think is like, you're driving through the Rocky Mountains, and to your right is a valley, and over there is a desert, and there's a much bigger mountain right ahead of you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are you in the, are you in the deserty part or are you in the valley part i would say like the valley part monuments right on the foothills uh-huh. um and so it's like in the shadow of pike's peak very iconic oh yeah mountain. sure um and i grew up to the right was a mountain range and to the left was like prairie so very much like eastern sort of kansas-y Colorado. right the, the nebraska yeah right. yeah so are your folks still there yep yep my my mother my father both my sisters and my one living grandparent lives in colorado still what did your folks do um my they both have really interesting paths my dad is a dishwasher at a steakhouse Uh and my mom is sort of an assistant to a former employer of hers and kind of she's an older very creative artsy woman and my mom kind of helps her around the oh okay yeah okay yeah Cool. What about what about the siblings? Where are you in the line? Um, I have one older sister. She's two years older than me, and then we have a much younger sister who's twelve. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. She kind of surprised. Um, she yeah. My parents are divorced. And oh, my, okay. And yeah. um, so she's a she's a recent addition to uh-huh. the sister 
the sisterhood. Uh-huh. Um, How's she? She's great. She's so cool. She's so smart. She's um, she's a writer and she's super into it, like stuff that I don't understand. Fan fiction. I just learned about fan fiction. Oh my but god! But she's like, yeah, yeah like. So what, what fan fiction is she writing? I don't know. It's like um, she's really into this book series about cats with superpowers. Uh huh. Um, and so it's pretty amazing. These kids are just on the internet making friends with each other, writing these very embellished and elaborate stories out of stories that already exist that have moved them and it's kind of nice because they get to exercise their storytelling and their writing skills with an already set cast of characters who you know an established author is developing and working with but then they get to kind of you know spin the story in their own you can hone so much out of that like coming up with the stuff is is like the hardest part but you got to be able to write it well Mm -hmm. you write it well and you do that enough and then you develop like the big picture stuff yeah my sister is 17 and she's been wanting to be a writer for forever Mm -hmm. and she just got accepted in college and i'm having a fun relationship with with her she's like going for the writing thing and and I like to read a lot, and it's like it's like showing a younger sibling bands, yeah. But you have to like remember that like you can't you can't dump this stuff that you got into three months ago on them now. Yeah, you gotta give the you gotta give the opening spots, mm-hmm. the opening people. Was there a lot of music in the house? Um, not. I mean, kind of. My my, you know, I grew up mostly with my mother. Um, yeah. When did your folks split, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I think I was around six, somewhere between six and eight. Mm-hmm. By that time I was eight, we were, they were living in separate homes. But, um, yeah, my mom, like, was a big, like, classic rock fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of ZZ Top. Yeah. Big ZZ Top fan. <laughs> a lot of stuff that I hate. I hated classic rock. I still, you know, I mean, that's a... Uh, a loose um, definition of the genre, but right, but like that, like kind of, like I don't know. What doesn't ZZ Top have a song called Legs? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. she was like a big like a. Uh, um, her she used to tell me this story about how she was a fan girl and got to put her her hands through one of their beards at one time, and it was a big <laughs> moment for her. Um, but she like she like listened to Led Zeppelin and stuff, and we listened to a lot of top. 40 radio because she was kind of a gym rat uh-huh. um and we drove around a lot and so we would just listen to the radio where were you driving to just like just soccer yeah. and stuff like she that she would take us to work with her and um you know we kind of were, were always tagging along because we had to go where she went you know yeah and when we would go to the gym Bally total fitness soundtrack was a big part of my young upbringing oh, nice <laughs> um but my dad was a big he was he loved like the Who and the Rolling Stones and um, Grateful Dead and that? You kind like of. that? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate it now uh-huh. um, a lot more than I could as a kid. But there's yeah. some I love that band. I love that culture. I want nothing to do with Grateful it. Dead. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting actually. Like, I yeah, I I haven't listened to much of their music, but the fan base. Like, I think of it every time I think fish, you know? Yeah. Because it's just, like, a similar sort of strange 
not cultish, but very dedicated fan base that like they've built this sort of like community. You can say cultish. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's like they've built this community out of their music which like extends so much farther than just the songs and it's, it's really interesting when when people can do that i think it's very yeah it's really yeah you know i i will i will vouch for wake of the flood as just like a very good sad winter record but uh-huh. it's it's a it's a weird thing yeah it's a weird thing for sure but like so when do you think when do you feel like you started to get interested in music on more than just uh like surface level what was the what was the first thing that you heard that was like oh my god? I don't know. I was I was just like thinking about this, trying to catalog some milestones of my of writing songs. Uh huh. The first song I ever wrote was to the tune of Little Ava's "Locomotion," and it was like what's that? It's like an old. Uh, Come on, baby, do locomotion. Oh, okay, sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vandalays or something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, I, yeah, and I don't know. I just loved the melody, and uh-huh. I think, and I just similar. It's like fan fiction. I just used the melody and wrote my own song to it. Yeah. Um, and that was I was probably like six, six ish around that time, and then, yeah, I don't know. I loved. I love. I've always loved pop music i love old 50s 60s like girl group music yeah um phil specter kind of stuff um but yeah i don't i don't know where what about the when did the punk thing happen that was very distinct eight years old my mother had a partner um her an off and on partner of about like 20 years that Uh she was seeing when i was eight and he gave me Green Day Dookie and a corrosion a a jean jacket with a corrosion of conformity back patch on it. And that Whoa. was uh uh-huh. that was that. <laughs> that's so f- what a back patch to yeah, give to that's someone. Cool. So you and that's like that's just such that's iconography that you can like latch onto. Mm-hmm. And like you want to talk about pop songs like Dookie's like 14 freaking classics yeah well i think that's why pop punk um, Uh resonated with me so significantly was because it was melodic and Mm -hmm. i love a hook and i think so green day was like a perfect that's why they got so big you know because it's a perfect like fuck you that sounds really good that you can remember the words to and like dance to you Uh know and so it fulfilled my desire for sort of resistance and also uh, easy listening, you know. Yeah, for sure. When did you start playing? I started. Uh, I started playing guitar when I was twelve, um, but I had been writing songs without accompaniment forever before that. Uh-huh. Since that first song. You writing them down, or are they just in your head, or you writing recording them? Writing them down, then mm-hmm. singing them. Yeah. by myself because i was like oh, i can't play an instrument i don't know how to play i can't do that girls don't do that you know that's what oh yeah that's for what sure yeah so. all your favorite bands are are three-piece dude bands mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. yeah and if you know my i wasn't exposed to much like many women in rock as a young person because uh-huh. you know my parents also listen to I'll, you're often like exposed to those things through your your early childhood experiences and so i had you know pop music on the one hand which 
no one plays an instrument, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I had, yeah, dude, dude punks kind of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I listened to like a lot of other things. I would say Alanis Morissette was a good crossover. Right. The like, sort of like 90s. Um, she, it's like she's so weird mass rock yeah well because it she's like pre-punk you know uh-huh and but played played guitar and was wrote all those songs harmonica was a songwriter like, yeah. yeah and was kind of and was such a badass and I, so that was another early cd that i got also mm-hmm. at, also at eight. so so i guess then like what what do you think is giving you the uh the push then to just be like no i i can play guitar uh, watching the movie Ten Things I Hate About You. <laughs> Hell yes, the taming of the shrew. Yeah, I think that it was a huge moment for me. I was like, it exposed me to so much. That movie is so rich with mm-hmm. interesting, like you know, I mean, some narratives that are complicated. And looking back, I don't really like. But you know what? Nothing, nothing that's more than five years old ages well at this yeah, point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I like, feel you. Yeah, I was like, oh, who's Sylvia Plath? Like. Mm-hmm. What, who are mm-hmm. the raincoats? Like, what's Bikini Kill? I forgot about the raincoats being um, such a prominent part yeah, of that movie. It really exposed me to so much that I sort of identified with. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want a white Fender Stratocaster, too. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they couldn't quite afford a, a, a Fender. But I did get a white Squire Stratocaster. Perfect. That yeah, yeah, yeah. year for uh, Christmas. It was a big uh-huh. deal. Were you into it when you started? Or was it kind of just like, oh, no, this is boring. I don't um, like lessons. I, I didn't take lessons, actually. We mm-hmm. couldn't. I grew up without a lot of money, so I was wanted to take music lessons but couldn't afford it, which is why I still, to this day, feel more comfortable singing than I do anything yeah. else. I, I really wanted to play piano, but I didn't have a piano, and we couldn't afford to... I couldn't afford to learn. So yeah. that's why guitar was kind of nice because you can do a lot with that instrument for cheap which uh-huh. is cool so i kind of taught myself and pre-internet it was a little bit difficult because i didn't feel so comfortable learning by ear um and so i gave up really quickly and just started writing my own songs yeah for sure <laughs> um which is cool it meant like very early on i had a really strange style which i think a lot of early mm-hmm. songwriters who like don't are still sort of navigating their own instrument kind of develop this pretty interesting way of playing which is cool well it's almost like you have you're in tune to vocal melodies just because you've absorbed them especially mm-hmm. listening to like those old phil Spector records mm-hmm. and you kind of have to teach your instrument how to follow along mm-hmm. and it's like oh okay that chord's not right why yeah. you know why is that wrong here yeah and that's kind of fun because then you can like lend or the only thing that you have informing your experience is your own voice. Uh-huh. And when you're kind of, I remember the one of the first songs I tried to learn was Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven because <laughs> I was uh, I really wanted to play it for my mom because she was a big Led Zeppelin fan. And I was yeah. like, oh. don't worry, mom, I got this. It's <laughs> like giving up on this pretty quickly. And then I tried to learn a, a White Stripe song, and uh-huh. that was a little bit easier. But I was finally like, I'll just why am I learning this person's song? I'll just make my own song yeah. instead. So, so were you finding people in? It was a monument. Mm-hmm. Was there was there people that were into punk music in Monument? Yes, yeah, I think that was a big part of why it became kind of a cornerstone of my life because there was this crazy little community of people who were into the same 
uh-huh. kind of thing. What was it centered around? Was it like VFW Hall or like where were shows happening around there? We had a, a lot of barn and garage shows. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Barn shows. Barn shows were the best. Yeah. Brian Capusta's barn was a big, uh-huh. a big spot. <laughs> yeah. So, and when does Chump start? That starts um, probably 2010. Okay. Drew started writing songs together that would become chumped songs. Uh-huh. And then around, yeah, I guess probably that year we started playing with Doug, who mm-hmm. played bass player. And then uh, in 2012, Dan moved to New York from Colorado, and then we all got together that year, um, I think is probably how that worked out. So 2010, were you, were you in college? Uh, yeah. You had a, Were you at Fort Collins? No, I went to school in New York. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, what school in New York? I went to NYU. Oh. Mm-hmm. What did you major in? Metropolitan Studies and Food Studies. Uh-huh. Very useful. Yeah. <laughs> How's that going for it's you? It's going great. I work at a lot of restaurants and grocery stores. Yeah. Really, uh-huh. Yeah. What's the, what, is Metropolitan Studies just like, what, is that like, I don't want to, like, I have an English degree, yeah. so I, I, I'm i not trying to like, it was be like, very why'd cool, you do that actually. for? It yeah. was, it's an interdisciplinary social science degree, but it okay. was very social justice based, which is why I was interested in it. Yeah. I took a lot of, um, the first class I took where I was like, oh, I want to study urban change in politics um i took a class called the color of aids which was sort of like yeah the you know racial politics of the aids epidemic yeah and it kind of it was such a i was very interested in like was that like new york focused like because i know that like there's a lot of like talk about koch when koch died a lot of people were like yo this motherfucker like blew it it was it was pretty new york focused but it was for I, i think they, my professors at that school did a good job of um, sort of globalizing yeah. issues, but it was a school based in New York, so a lot of right. very yeah, New York, yeah. and you know, New Yorkers love New uh-huh. York. Did stuff. you like New York when you were out there for school? I did. I really love New York. Yeah. Yeah. But after you graduate then, so is it, does Trump start when you're out there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Am I, is my impression wrong that it started in Colorado and then you moved to New York? Uh, yes, that okay. is wrong. Uh, but there's good reason a why wildly, you would... A wild, <laughs> widely spread internet It uh, is. Narrative. And we never corrected it because mm-hmm. we were like, well, whatever. You guys can make up your own story about it. But I think that the reason why that is thought is because Dan, because Drew and I, who you know were the originators of that project... Grew up together, moved to New York together, uh-huh. um, but not to play music. We went to school. Okay. And Dan, we also grew up with in Colorado, and he moved to New York not to play music, uh-huh. but post-college to like live in New York. Right. But the three of us kind of reunited over that. We all lived in the same house together. Oh, okay. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, so it it started post Colorado, but we had roots in our Colorado upbringing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, so, but and but Trump starts like, is it? Is there like kind of a vibrant thing going on around you while you're there, like in 
in New York? Like, is there like a pop punk scene that you're all like kind of going to and like you know the same people and all of that? Um, kind of. I I think that there was a good community of people um, who were going to shows that we met that we met at fest stuff like that. Uh-huh. Kind of going to to festivals outside of the city, but it was kind of strange. I think that New York, I think that we were kind of like building a separate little situation as we were playing, which felt nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, yeah, we weren't super tapped into friends and kind of like met them along the way as we started playing shows and that, that that felt good. So is it, and when you started, is it like, is it just kind of something to do in your free time? Like, did you get a job like with your degree? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I really think that we started playing together just because I wanted we wanted to be playing music. Yeah. I don't. I think that Drew was very encouraging of me to play again. I kind of I moved to New York and didn't take my guitar. I kind of like mm-hmm. wrote off music and especially punk music in general. It was like not. I left that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Behind, I moved to New York actually to study theater. Um, and why'd you of, leave that part out five minutes ago? <laughs> it's kind—I of, kind of forget about it actually. Um, but I didn't want to major in theater because I thought that would be a waste of time. Um, we we acting? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was—I did a lot of acting and musical theater in high school, and wanted to be in New York to pursue that mm-hmm. and then kind of was like I don't want to have a job where the whole thing is based on how I look and my body presentation and what if it doesn't work you know I wasn't like fully committed to that dream right and so I couldn't minor in theater and major in something else uh-huh. I had to major in theater and minor in something else and I thought that would be a waste of my money so yeah I didn't do it and I think I missed the sort of connection to writing i missed the performance aspect of playing um music i kind of just i missed the creative process yeah and so i think you know drew was like we should play some music and i i think that'd be fun so Mm -hmm. i got my picked up my guitar from colorado and yeah just started playing songs in the living room and how, chumped happens really quickly mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. that that's it's always like i guess looking back and seeing the first seven inch in 2013 and then teenage retirement in 2014 and just like the jump that happens during that time it's kind of insane yeah was it like i guess how how is that going for you it's is it just straight up like exciting like um like this is happening i mean even like you talk about that time with like what nona mm-hmm. all dogs kaitana mm-hmm. there's this like explosion of of bands and like fucking thank god like different bands yeah. with women in them yeah. like like it's that was that was a really exciting time and and y'all were a part of that um but then also like the way that chumped kind of picks up a lot of momentum really quickly yeah i think that it was very exciting and it it gave me a lot of purpose um and it was kind of just like well 
just feeling a lot of gratitude for like everything that happened, like every show we got asked to play or every new thing that we had the opportunity to do just felt so, you know, so new and so interesting. And yeah, it was very, it was a very exciting time. Um, but it happened really fast and it was like a lot at once and we had to kind of navigate that too. And, you know, sometimes that's, can be difficult I, I none of us had ever really engaged with the music industry before so that was like something new to navigate and but it was mostly just like the perfect kind of you know you're 23 and you're kind of living living your dream for the first time it feels yeah. felt really yeah totally little, yeah and like I, I would I would think that like after getting a glimpse of the real world and just being like oh you know what I'd love to I love to be a kid. Like I, it's it's kind of like a opportunity to just be like, yeah, I I see where this is all going, and I'd like to get off of that train at least for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It felt very opposite of like, um, the depressing commitment to a nine to five job. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it was good to escape it. It was interesting to me to you know like, I, I was pretty tapped into like what was what was going on with like you know those early seven inches from from y'all and like Kaitan and and I'm also like someone who reads stereo gum daily so when I saw the like it jumped to a point where you're getting like the kind of coverage you were getting from stereo gum and, and Brooklyn vegan and mm-hmm. um you know was that does that does that sort of thing like weigh on you or is it is it just another part of it's like oh my god like it's also going well in in this way too at that time, it didn't, none of that weighed on, on me at all. Um, it all felt very like, mm-hmm. like being on the cover of like Time Magazine, really, is how it felt. Cause yeah. It was just so incredible that anyone would listen or want or be interested in our story or mm-hmm. be captivated by the, the things that we were making. And that was a big deal for, for us. And yeah, it all, it all just felt very like, unfathomable yeah do you do you you ever think about that like analyze like what do you think it was about about that band that made it so i have no idea because i listen to it now and i'm like what the fuck were you (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know i i think that we got lucky and we were in the right place at the right time Uh uh-huh yeah um and had a lot of very supportive friends who were willing to share things with people and I think that, you know, we also had a group of friends who are such a big part of uh, part of the band at that time, you know, like everybody's coming over and spray painting the back of that first right. EP and, um, you know, putting, making our own pins and stuff. And it was, mm-hmm. people were very, like, involved. And it, we had a lot of other creative friends who were filmmakers or photographers who were sort of just getting their start and it was a fun kind of way to like engage with each other because it was like oh well we've never I don't know what a press photo is like do you want to take our photo and Uh um kind of like experimenting with each other and help helping giving each other a leg up right yeah yeah it's like oh we we've got to do this we don't really know what it is so let's at least like have as many people that we know who can do it yeah. involved in it. Yeah, and that was really fun. I look back and I'm like, oh, that was where, like, so many fun moments are just, like, 
I want to like make a music video. I've never done that before. You guys want to make a music video? It's like, uh-huh. I would love that. That sounds yeah. great. I've never done that before either. So, uh-huh. yeah. I like listening to that record. It's funny that you, you know, talk about it the way that you just did. But like, that's a, it's an interesting time, I think, for you of that, that point of like transition that you're kind of in of almost like, you know, deciding to, to go the way that you're, that you, maybe you're not supposed to, but also like, you know, 23 is it's an age of like looking forward and looking back and also you know kind of like there's a lot of inventory taking I think. yeah that's a nice way to put it yeah, yeah. no that's good uh-huh. yeah i'm always taking inventory i don't i shouldn't i love those records and it's just nice to to like think that you um have got have improved you know um and there's also there's so much magic in those so so much magic in those songs they're very raw and urgent and mm-hmm. i love thinking about the way that we recorded them and what like how just, just with your friends no just very fast you know uh-huh. it's like that whole all of teenage retirement was recorded in three days recorded mixed and mastered in three days wow so yeah um i think that that's the thing that kind of glues it all together is the yeah it was like kind of not really giving we didn't we put a lot of thought in it but not too much it was uh-huh. like just sort of like feeling the momentum and lending yourself to that and yeah um yeah and we made we all you know made good music together yeah it was nice for sure um so do you do you want to talk about i mean the breakup it's it's a as far as like your career goes the timing is kind of couldn't be worse um but you know it's also it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough, uh, tough moment for you and for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. I mean, I think it was just like all things kind of things change and all things, your life is transformed in, in ways that you don't anticipate and you could, you know, if the universe were looking down, you would say it was bad timing, but I think it was kind of in terms of like the dissolution of that project for a lot of, you know, from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people look at that as like wasted potential energy. Um, But I think at the end we all kind of concluded that it was perfect timing because it's better to burn out than fade away, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Uh And we all had, you know, we got so much out of that project that, it needing to end when it did i don't you know i think that that's just how things had to happen you know yeah kind of have to accept it like that and yeah we got to do i said at the end of of that you know when when chumped was kind of like okay well we won't we're not going to continue this because it doesn't make sense um I was like, well, I did everything. I did so many things I never thought I'd be able to do that if I never played music again, I would feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And I still feel that way. Um, and, you know, try and retain that sort of sense of like newness where like every new thing that you get to do is is really special and, you know, come at it with a place of deep gratitude. Um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was a little divergent. But 
that's like you you answer that however the however the fuck you want to yeah. anybody um but i think that you know a big part of that that um that i latch onto in there is the feeling that you've done everything you wanted to do mm-hmm. with just the the rise and all the craziness that happens with that because i think what you apply into Katie Ellen i think is an expression of that like this is this feels like it's music that's more focused on you making what you need to make at the juncture in which you're making it yeah yeah i hope so i hope that it remains emotionally relevant you know was it were you picking that up quickly after chumped or was there was there a period where you're just like it was very much like I was already um, like writing with the intention of having something that was sort of separate just because, you know, Chumped was the only sort of musical project that I had. So I wanted to make stuff that sounded different or Mm -hmm. experiment with with other things. And so it was very much like... Because you can't be like, hey, guys... Let's try slowing this one down. Yeah, and it wasn't it was a very diplomatic project. Uh-huh. You know, I wrote a lot of the words, most of the words. I wrote a lot of songs in full, but Chumped was very much like a band where someone would bring a riff to the table and then we would like write a song mm-hmm. together. We were all songwriters, yeah. you know. So people brought different pieces of different things together and we kind of like did things that that way, you know. Yeah. Um and it was very much like a everyone had 25% in it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think I, I wanted to like feel a little bit more free to, yeah, write a weird slow thing or like put some strings on a song, like whatever, Uh you know, do something different. Um, and, and be able to like keep that space for that project. Um, and so I was kind of already like thinking about other stuff Mm -hmm. before, uh, chumped had officially called it a day was it always was it a duo with dan like kind of from the onset or was it like well now that dan's got nothing to do i could use a drummer for this stuff uh no i think it was like i wanted to continue to write songs and dan is such a like such a cherished collaborator Mm -hmm. um like really just the kind of musical relationship where like we're just speaking each other's language, you know, and yeah. I feel so I just feel so comfortable playing with him that I wanted him to be part of it. Yeah. Um, and so I think it was like, let's do this thing. I want you to be uh, to be a partner in that, you know, um, and yeah, I think I was like struggled with like, well, I don't know, is it? like a Yola Tango situation, like mm-hmm. already getting caught up in sort of the, um, the like. You're thinking about like the presentation of it. Yeah. And, like and it I, I never and... had to think about that before, you know, mm-hmm. because Chumped was a very like organic thing. And yeah. this was like, okay, well, I, like looking to some peers and being like, well, what do I like about this? Pro- like, what do I like about Waxahachie? Or like, is mm-hmm. it like a, you know, and that 
that kind of convoluted my process a little bit. Um, you think yeah. that's why you, I, I know that you have the story that you have for Katie Ellen is amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, I won't make you hash that one out again. <laughs> you know, you can, anyone out there can look at all the interviews that I looked at, but, um, you know, was there thought to, to use your own name or was that kind of part of the, like the complication of the process is like, well, I don't know if I, what if I wanted to do a full band? It can't be Anika Pyle if it's... Yeah, that was a big part of the process. And I, like, didn't feel super comfortable. I didn't know what I would... If I was, like, you know, presenting myself as a songwriter under my own name, what would that sound like? How would that function? I wasn't really... I wanted to have a, a band that had a name that, like, could do function as both, you know? Yeah. Which is why I settled on something that was, like could present itself as a songwriter but like is a band yeah you for know, sure which ends up confusing a lot of people but you know it's funny because i i you know i talked to dustin hayes like around this time last year and we were talking about you know i was like should i post this interview as dustin hayes of walter etc should i post it as walter and like that sort of thing and and he was kind of talking about like the feeling slightly backed into a corner by what he's done with the name Walter and like signing things as Walter but also being like if it's not my name then I can kind of change whatever I like with it mm-hmm. yeah I think well oh, wow I almost called Dustin Walter. <laughs> I have That's to remind. Goes. I have to remind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's funny, though. Yeah. yeah. Dustin and I talked about that, actually, when we were on tour together last summer. Um, oh, okay. Kind of like. I'm so good at my job. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, kind of. Because I, I do. It's just, it's just like presents a lot of questions that I, I wasn't really prepared to answer or things that I wasn't really prepared to deal with, like. You know, it's like you either lean into being Katie or you just like let people be fooled and it's kind of funny. But mm-hmm. I, I kind of like the bit of like anonymity it gives in a way. Yeah. And it's a good way to weed out the tools, you know, because if you're. Yeah. But it's also like people don't know. That's unfair for me to say because people might might think that I want to be re- referred to as Katie, uh-huh. which I don't. I never did. That wasn't my intention. Right. You know? But don't name a band um, after someone else's name if you don't want to be called the name is that is that kind of where you're at with this yeah i mean you feel a little stifled by it i don't feel stifled by the project if i love katie allen i i wish that um i felt more empowered by the like you know i think dust like talking to dustin it's like he leans into walter a little bit more and Mm -hmm. i wish that i knew where I stood with Katie a little bit more, but yeah. I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Because I, yeah, I also like to do, you know, I just want, Katie Allen is very much like a band where there's four people invested in it. Uh-huh. And I, I don't want to take credit where credit isn't due. Um, and I also like, don't want to be, be a songwriter called Katie Allen. I just, yeah, for sure. But you know, well, hindsight think, is twenty yeah, twenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it's. It, I think it's. It's interesting. You know, you you look at you look at Cowgirl Blues, and it feels like it. A lot of that record feels like you got these songs, and then you got two people that you brought in to play on them, mm-hmm. along with uh, with you and uh, 
you and Dan. Yeah. But at this point, like, Eric and Anthony are freaking dialed in, like, yeah. especially on this record. Yeah, Eric actually isn't playing in played on Cowboy Blues and mixed the record and brought so much to that record, but he's uh-huh. not part of the lineup any longer. Oh, okay. okay. So this new record is Lou Hanman is playing That's on great. this record. Yeah. Um, Lou of Warriors and previous Warriors Reviver. Uh-huh. Um, fame. Caves fame. Lou of Caves. Um, Lou so, of Caves and the subject of two fantastic Warriors records. Yeah. Well, partial subject, but... Um, so... Yeah, where, where did Anthony come from? I I love the way this guy plays. Yeah, Anthony's. Um, so Anthony and Eric were in a band called Adult Dude. Oh, okay. And we did our first tour with Chumped with Adult Dude, and it was kind of almost like a blind date situation because Eric was a, a a customer of mine at a coffee shop that I worked at and we uh-huh. kind of just got to chatting and exchanged music. I loved, uh, I loved his music and we were like, well, we're both like bands. We should do a short tour, booked a little short tour. And it was kind of just love at first sight sort of thing. We just yeah. really like, it was like we had known each other forever and we met most of them that day that we showed up to go on tour together. Um, and yeah, they both just came, became really, really dear friends and I Anthony had filled in on a on a tour with Chumped playing bass and we would kind of just like play songs for fun and I would sing along yeah um and I was like we should play some music together sometime I would love to to like write some music with you and so when I was making when I was like I want to make a Katie Allen record um I want Anthony to play on it because I mm-hmm. love his sort of like, he's got a very like twangy, um, almost like influence to his playing. He's very talented guitarist and very make, dear friend. Yeah, he makes good noise mm-hmm. and like, and he's a fantastic like accompaniment to you too. Yeah, we work really well together. I very, very much cherish his collaboration and his friendship. Very yeah. Much, so. um, the, go, going back to like the early katie allen stuff you know um looking at cowgirl blues mm-hmm. it's such a such a heavy record mm-hmm. and like the songs are i i have been listening to that record for a while now and they still they hit me pretty hard um but you know they're so personal it feels like it feels like a solo record, but you know, there's something about the way that you are as upfront with where you're at. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, anybody who's listening to your band, at least in the early stages of things, is like, this is Anika from Chumped. Mm-hmm. And listening to that record, it's just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, you know, I guess like, is it it's just what it is mm-hmm. it's just you letting out what's happening yeah right? yeah i think that uh yeah it was very much curated like to reflect the gamut of feelings that i had at that particular time mm-hmm. um those songs were written very quickly very like 
chump style writing process. Um, and I think they do. I had a friend, uh, good friend of mine tell me that, uh, Jeff Mangum quote about, um, how every record is a snow globe that like is a time in your life. And a lot uh-huh. of the time you like, you make the record and then you let it sit on the shelf cause you're like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. And then yeah. every once in a while you take, take the snow globe off and shake it around mm-hmm. just That's to like the most Jeff Mangum thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, and I think about that as very much like that is a reflection of a specific period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it was a very like raw and emotional moment. And I think that record captures it pretty well. So I hear so. like when I heard proposal for the first time, I was like, this sounds like when your friend is like, Hey, I wrote a song and plays it for you. Mm-hmm. Like right there. Mm-hmm. And, and I really do like love that feeling. And I, I, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm leading into, you know, is, is that feeling of, I love that snow globe quote Mm -hmm. that it's just, this is fucking where I was at 2016 for, you know, however long you spent writing that record. Yeah. And does it, it, does it sit well with you? Uh, it does. Yeah. Having it in that in that way in that documentation yeah i i think that it was important and i'm i when i look back on like where i was making that record i'm very proud of myself for even making it and like helping uh uh, helping it come together yeah i guess it's like sort of outside of myself but yeah um yeah and I'll, i'll again like had the help of you know my friends who are very much willing to like put a lot of energy and talent into it mm-hmm. um there's just a lot of method that goes into making something like that yeah like you, 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 you i kind of have to you're there you're in that mm-hmm. spot for you know from start to finish yeah i put a lot into it um and then yeah it was a lot but i was really happy that i i did and i like thinking about it you know as this sort of snapshot of time in my life that I'll always have and um and I'm glad I made it and I'm glad I put it out I, I do feel you know some disconnection from the songs which I think is good because it means that you're growing as a person when you're like mm-hmm. not a totally dissimilar feeling to like listening to the first trump release is like okay here's the things that I still feel right those are some things i should work on you know and uh-huh. here are the things that i'm like ooh, why did i say that i'm so glad i learned that lesson or have grown since then and yeah um i mean you have if you if you're gonna if you're gonna go back if you're gonna shape that snow globe you gotta go back and and give yourself credit as much as you possibly can yeah that's a hard thing for me to do so it's i'm yeah. trying to be able to do that um because yeah. i mean i i everything i've done up to six months ago, I'm embarrassed by. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, just it's how hard. it is. It's hard. It's hard when you're like, you know, I think people who make art are often their own worst enemy. Like, yeah. We're big critics of ourselves. So, but that's good. That's how you edit. That's how you get better, I think. So, so do you come out of that record, um, you know, you're happy that you made it? Is there also maybe being remove from it a little bit is is there a thought of like okay let's 
let's continue to do this, but let's try and do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was like, wasn't sure if I was going to continue to do Katie Allen. Um, and why not? I think I just struggled with a lot of like, I wasn't sure if I was going to make music at all. I think it was kind of a, it was a very long and arduous process. Like making that record was like, you know, a lot of emotional energy expent, a lot put into making it, but it was like very magical. I think the engaging with the release of the record and, um, repositioning myself as, um, as a musician weighed very heavily on me. And I think that I became very anxious about what I was supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and whether or not it was sustainable or if, you know, if it was my path or my, or my purpose. And so when you say like engaging with the, with the record, is that just like kind of the, the way it comes out and like the perception of it and like I think it's like all of everything that comes after you know it's like you write the record and you make this thing that is such a is a special part of connecting to music which is writing it and you know recording it and like fashioning it Mm -hmm. to like imbuing your energy in it and then comes all the stuff after that which I don't think a lot of people talk about because it's all the garbage which is like what is this how does this project present itself what does it look like how what's the bio how do you Uh like what's your record like what what record label is putting it out Uh what press are you getting like what tours are you going to go on do you want it to be this or that and that was like I felt very much the same kind of pressure as like well do I want to be an actress or not and Uh it was like I don't want to engage it was almost like I love the craft of empathy, which is what acting is. And I love performing and I love storytelling. Yeah. I hate putting a big giant picture of myself on a resume of the things that I've done and like selling myself to have people like look at me. I don't want to have that life. The and idea so, the idea that someone's just like, Nope. Exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. Mm, you're a little too, um, you know, a little too this and not not enough that. So see you later. Yeah. And I think the process of like, you know, coming out as like, I felt a lot of pressure to like live up to this thing that I had made previously. I didn't know how I wanted to position myself. And that process was happening, you know, on a very small scale because I'm not like a big artist, but like on a very small scale, it was happening very publicly. And I felt really pressured to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. And like, if I didn't get it right, I would miss my moment, which is a dumb thing to think. But it really... I mean, that's that's like, that's chumped layover. Like, this thing happened and I wasn't even trying. Yeah, so now what happens? What am I supposed to do now? Uh I I felt that. I was like, what am I supposed to do now? I asked people. Yeah. You know, and it was like, well, you can do whatever you want. And... I didn't know what I wanted, but I was just like following what I felt. And, you know, I think that I felt like I wasn't doing it right. And I didn't, I wasn't, I had let down my friends and I had 
you know, I've carried a lot of like, I think shame and emotional turmoil, which felt so opposite of this thing that I loved. Um, mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing now is that like doing the thing that you love isn't always like sunshine and rainbows, you know, it requires a lot of sacrifice. And yeah, obviously, I mean, I understand the sacrifice. I do it every day, but um, even the, th- the more I read a quote the other day, I was like, if you love what you do, you'll always be working mm-hmm. like, yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I think suffered from like a high amount of anxiety post chumped during that time in my life that I, I couldn't really like wrangle and I wasn't, I don't think emotionally ready to deal with, to uh-huh. answer all the questions that I was required to answer about yeah what I wanted to do with my life. Um, which was play music and be a working musician. And I felt a lot of pressure to, to do that a specific way, not only for myself, but also the other people that I had engaged in to, you know, to try yeah. and take opportunities. And, and it, you know, we put the record out and I like sort of freaked out and took, that's why it took a really long time to put the record out. And then I, you know, I had a hard time, didn't feel so comfortable traveling so it was like uh-huh. you, know. you didn't tour much on that on the record right you like yeah. i think you did you did that west coast because mm-hmm. we talked that was a while ago when we like first yeah talked, but the, i don't think the record was out yet it wasn't yeah it uh-huh. was almost a year before it came out um so what did you do like how did you because i i don't think i i definitely didn't tell you this before i haven't done one of these in two months i did i did every week for two years and then I had to fucking drop it because yeah. I was losing it. Yeah. Um. So what did you do? Because you have to, you have to pull yourself out. You can't like fix something like that from within. Yeah. I mean, I think that I had to like take a step back for a minute and then like evaluate where I was at and what it was I wanted and sort of take an inventory of what brought me joy and what brought me pain and how I can find balance between the two. And at the end of the day, it was sort of like, I wanted to accept, I wanted to like meet, um, kind of like meet Katie on, uh, where it was at, uh-huh. just like I was kind of meeting myself where I was at. And I think that having some time in between making one record and another was kind of like, well, this is, this project can like have a different life now. And I don't feel the pressure to like make it something, you know, I don't feel the pressure to make it my life. It doesn't need to be album of the week. It doesn't need to be the way that you sustain yourself. Yeah. It can be a thing that you, that you also do. That I love, you know, and I Uh think like taking the aspects of it that I love, which is like engaging with my friends and, and you know making things with people that i care about and um taking my time and not worrying about like making it my business um i think allowed me to find to like reconnect to the joy in it Mm -hmm. um and you know i think also knowing that like there's I can do anything else too. I can like have a, be a solo saxophonist if I want, or I can, Uh 
you know, have a, a soul R&B project that's something different. I think that I just get like so, like I, when I do something, I put so much of myself into it and I like put too much of myself into it. Uh-huh. And it sort of like, I conflated my musical project with my like entire identity. And right. it's sort of... Well, yeah, it's it's, how, it's method acting, right? It's like you have to be, if you're going to write songs this way, you got to be here and you got to be present with, a, you know, a feeling and like a directness of how you are communicating. And if this is going to be your life, like you're just not able to take yourself out of the things that are making you worried mm-hmm. or unhappy. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like when I heard... I think still life is so effective. It communicates such a feeling and it seems to do so in a way that's not as just like self-damning. Did it feel that way when you were writing it? I think so, yeah. You weren't like, you weren't stuck in the shit the entire time. Yeah, I had some distance on those songs, which is nice. I didn't feel... Like I was having to emotionally process at the same time as I was, you know, collaborating to make a piece of art, Mm -hmm. Um, which was nice because I, it gave them a little space to grow. Um, Well, the band grows and I feel like there's, there's just a lot of choices that are made on this record too, that I think is, it's reflective of something different than that feeling of like all right i got this song about how fucking bad i feel and i need to record it right now because that's the best presentation for this material Mm -hmm. is you got to hear how wrecked i am Mm -hmm. and still life is like there's just so much there's so many different things that you're that you're doing to just like musically you're you're communicating so much more yeah i think yeah i like a lot of the vocal choices that you made thanks you're singing the fuck out of this record yeah i think that it was like gave myself i gave myself some room to experiment with that and to try some stuff that i've always wanted to try that never really felt that i think maybe i wanted to do on cowgirl blues but i didn't really know how and that chumped was not really the space for so it did feel really nice to be like no i want to do you know i want to do something different challenge myself to do something yeah something different um that's like i think that the the older i get the more i value that and it's it's very tactile mm -hmm. on this city country i was just like i fucking love that she's that she's reaching and and getting too Mm -hmm. there's that um someone dropped a fucking Tim Kinsella quote recently that's like sometimes sometimes it's best to just reach as hard as you can and if you don't hit it it doesn't matter yeah it's the reach that matters but like this is this is an instance where I'm just like "Ah, yes you know that's a chance that's a chance that you took and and you did it and you fucking killed it thank you um because I I like that this it feels like a fucking it feels like a more realized like full band thing Mm -hmm. and you know when you when you come off of a record like cowgirl and then you end you end this thing with 
like i'm home like i felt that mm-hmm. that was that's that shit's powerful oh, wow. i didn't think about it like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> are you feeling you feeling good you feeling like you're like you're in control of this thing yeah or i feel i feel like i'm i don't need to be in control of it and that's that's where the freedom comes that's a lot better which is nice because i i think you know anxiety is all about not having control and trying desperately to control things that you can't and i think once you accept i was accepted a loss of control and sort of handed it over to the process Mm -hmm. and i've gotten so much more out of it since then um yeah that's good that feels nice that's good and you're you're freaking out you're you're out with lemuria i know dream dream yeah yeah so good that's awesome Mm -hmm. i you know like going back to to mikey it was like like those two bands 2007 like oh my god the best yeah yeah so formative for me so it was that's crazy yeah grateful Mm -hmm. well it's good having you over thanks for coming thanks for chatting that's so (laughs) easy (laughs) that's good hell yeah All right. Hey, it's that last bit. Not being in control. That's what matters. I gleaned so much from this conversation, just the process of finding the right place for your art and finding where it fits within yourself. Anika is a passionate human and a growing writer and performer. It's very fulfilling to be a part of a conversation where you feel so much gratitude coming from the other side. I took as much of that in as I could. Very grateful for this conversation. It couldn't have come at a better time. I am so thankful to have this be the first talk after my time off. Thank you so much to Anika. I'm looking forward to seeing where she takes her work next. Check out Katie Ellen online. KatieBandEllen.bandcamp.com. Everything is available on that band camp as well as through the homies at lauren lauren records.com the web store promo code is better yet one word no capitals subscribe to this podcast on apple podcast stitcher you can listen through our band camp better yet podcast.bandcamp.com also through our website better yet pod.com like the page on facebook you can send me a message on there email is better yet podcast at gmail.com. My other shows, as you were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, hosted by yours truly and David Anthony, and postmarked meta perspectives on professional wrestling with me and Scott Southerd. Thank you so much. Thanks to Anika. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Thanks to Aaron. Thank you, Jay. You keep me cool. Little nod. The 10 things I hate about you on the way out. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.